Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. For some of us today, God brought you here for some opportunity to interact with others. God brought you here for a moment to connect with His heart. God brought you here for some teaching. But one of the main things that God brought you here for this morning... There are no accidents. God brought you here this morning to, to remind you that he's not finished with you yet. The story isn't over. Amen? And our God is the one who takes broken things and makes beautiful things out of them. Our God is the one who redeems um, things when you were violated, redeems times when you were betrayed, redeems times when you uh, absolutely fell flat on your face and it was all your choice and all your fault. Our God is not finished with us yet. And so cling to that. God brought many of us here this morning to hear that specific word. Today we are walking through the Sermon on the Mount. We are doing a verse-by-verse series, which is just really good for us to be in front of this uh, teaching that Jesus has in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7. The setting is, is on the side of the Sea of Galilee, up in the mountains, overlooking that water. Jesus sat down on the rocks and began to teach the people who believed in him, the people who were following him, the people who had left everything, the people who were already convinced that he is who he says he is. The people who were bought in. This is the one we're waiting for. And wherever he's going, I'm going. And whatever he has to say, I'm going to make it a part of my life. I am all ears, Jesus. He's teaching and he's given us something that's really some kindness from God. He's given us a lot of details of how he wants us to live. You have so many years, you have so many decades, and how Jesus wants us to live is a big part of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, we heard Jesus say to us that you are the salt of the earth, and salt has impact and influence, and salt is one of those things that, that has value and purpose, because Jesus says if the salt loses its saltiness, it's not good for anything. So until it loses its saltiness, until it's diluted and watered down, you, salt of the earth, you are good for something. You are good for carrying your changed life to people who are desperately in need of a changed life. And when you live your Jesus life in front of them, you put on display what God can do with a heart. Today we come to sort of the bookend companion piece to that. Last week he said you're the salt of the earth. Today we come to look at Jesus telling us you are the light of the world. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures that's easy to read, we'd love to give you one. We want to make sure everybody who wants a Bible can have a Bible. So if you don't own one that's easy to read, uh, if you'll stop by the starting point center on your way out, it's in the lobby, just say, hey, can I have one of the Bibles? They'll give you one that's yours to keep. It's our gift to you. We want to make sure everyone has a Bible who wants one. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. We'll read verses 14, 15, and 16 uh, in this teaching. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its 
stand, and he gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Go back to verse 14 with me there. You are the light of the world. Now, I almost imagine Jesus saying that and letting that pause happen and letting that just sink in for a moment. Jesus is looking at you, Christian, you who are bought in, you who have left everything, you who have said, I believe he is who he says he is, you who have faith in Jesus. He's looking at you. He's looking at me this morning. He's saying, you are the light of the world. Is that good news? <laughs> it's good news to the world. That can feel like a lot of responsibility. Anybody else hear it that way? Like, hold on a minute. Where did I check that box? I didn't know I was signing up to be light of the world. You are the light of the world. And down beneath all of this is the privilege of being light to people who live in darkness. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. They lift it up high so that it's not hidden, but so that all of that shine can get to all the people around who need it. The call of Jesus and being light to the world for most of us in the room is not that you would have a global shine. Some of you it might be. God may raise you up and God may give you a global platform. Let's go for that. That'd be awesome. Let it be so for your life. Glory to God. He gives you an opportunity to have a global or a national platform. But for most of us in the room, Jesus is saying you're the light of the world put it on a stand, and that's going to be the people who sit around you in class. That's going to be the people who are on your team. That's going to be the people who are on your team at work. That's going to be the people who are in the cubicles around you. It's going to be the people who wait on you in the restaurants. It's going to be the people that you meet and talk to in the stores. It's going to be the people in your home, the people in your family, the people in your immediate circle. This is the responsibility that you and I have for shining. Start there. Go ahead and dream of the global shine. That's awesome. That's great. But let's make sure we're doing our best to shine locally. And for most of us, that's going to be the people who were around us in our weekly lives. I love this verse, Matthew 5, 16. It's one of the ones that I memorized when I was a young kid. If you're like me and you've had a few years under your belt, some of your scripture memory is like a hybrid of three or four scripture translations. Um, but... Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they will see your good works or deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus gives purpose to the shining. The shining is never about us. The shining is always about pointing to Him. Amen? So if anyone affirms you for the good that's coming out of your life, Let's find a way not to be weird about it, but let's find a way to say, listen, if there's anything good coming out of my life, it's only because I have a relationship with God through Jesus and he has made my heart different. Because left to me, I'm pretty selfish. 
Hello? Left to myself, I, I'm all about taking care of me. And left to me, I might even get to some really dark places. But Jesus is changing my heart, and it's a work in progress. Welcome. All works in progress. You're in the right place. The Bible refers to this process of making us more like Jesus. And, and, and theologians give us the name sanctification, this process of day by day, day by day, refining us from the inside out. But listen, any shine that comes out of your life is not because you are good, it's because Jesus is good. And look at the privilege. Let your light shine so that people can see, not you, but see the Father in heaven. Let your light so shine so that people don't go, man, you are just absolutely the nicest. You are absolutely the most friendly. You are, let your light shine in such a way that people say the Father is amazing. Glorify your Father in heaven. Let's unpack this just a little bit more. The first phrase here in uh, verse 14 is, You are light of the world. You are, the, you are light for the world. Be reminded today that Jesus himself is the true light and the source of our shining. We actually have a couple of places in John chapter um, 8 and in John chapter 9 where Jesus says of himself, I am the light of the world. John the Baptist was appropriately humble and he said, I'm not the light. <laughs> the light's coming. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He is the true source. And if you want to shine, you must remain and abide and stay plugged into the true source. You will shine to the degree that you are walking with Jesus. And there are some of us in the room and our shine is quite dim. And it's not because Jesus is dim. It's because you and I have covered up our light. Or because we are not abiding and remaining and walking with Jesus like we should. Jesus is the true source of the shine. Jesus says you are the light of the world. And that brings this idea of responsibility. Friends, you matter to the people around you. You have a purpose for them as a Christian. You matter in their story. And if you can absorb this a little bit this morning, check this out. Part of the plan that God has for the people in your circle, part of God's plan for leading them to Jesus is putting you in their life. Part of God's plan for leading the people in your circle to Jesus is putting you in their life. Oh, I've got this, this lady, and she's going to wait on tables, and, and she's going to be a really good server, and, then, and I really want to lead her to know my son Jesus, and so I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to send one of those POH folks to have lunch at that restaurant today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have an encounter with her and a Jesus person today. People in your office. Part of God's plan for leading them to know Jesus is his plan to put you in those people's lives. You're in your space for a purpose. 
You're not in your office by accident. You're not on your team by accident. And I'm just calling you and inviting you to hear the words of your, your Savior today saying there is a purpose for your days on this earth. Be salt. Be light. You matter for the world and for your portion of the world. The second part that I want to unpack in this passage is how Jesus says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And you and I might read that and go, uh, yep, that makes sense. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Let's remember in the ancient Near East, there was no light pollution. And if you've ever had the opportunity to travel in areas that were very rural or where there wasn't a lot of electricity or development, you've seen off in the distance. I've got a picture of maybe an, an, an image of that. Um, this is um, 110 miles outside of Las Vegas. That's a long way. But the city cannot be hidden. And it's a collective of lights that's causing a shine. And Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. You all are part of the light of the world. And as a city is a collection of individual house lights, so a church is a collection of individual heart lights. And when we are loving Jesus and walking with Jesus and making Jesus the center and making it all about Jesus and when we're inviting people into our church and say, listen, don't put your hope in us. Put your hope in Jesus. We have no power to change your life. We have no power to change your marriage. We have no power to bring healing and restoration in your world. But Jesus does. When we make it all about Jesus, the city of the church cannot be hidden. You of light of the world. And all of our lights together will shine bright. How in the world can we make a dent in Murfreesboro, Tennessee? We're a 15-month little old church just getting started. Oh, in the world, how in the world can we make a difference? Here's the deal. Jesus will make the difference. We just have to be faithful. If we are faithful, God will make us fruitful. It's a big deal. If we are faithful, God will make us fruitful. Because there's no power in us. There's no hope in us. There's hope in Jesus. And I love how Jesus mentions this city. Because part of your strength for being a light, and part of your confidence for being a light, is the fact that you're not alone, but that you're part of a community. Young people at your school, find other Christians and lock hearts and lives with them. Grown-ups and students, be in a community group. Meet regularly with other Christians to lock arms with them and hear their stories of what it is to follow Jesus in their families and in their work and in their how they spend their days and grow confidence from that and grow encouragement for that, and that will give you strength to be like out in the world where God's put you. This is a collection of lights that cannot be hidden. 
The third part of this passage I want to unpack that's uh, something Jesus mentions here. He says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. So in the ancient Near East, when Jesus would have said a lamp, people weren't thinking about this sucker right here. I like my lamp. It's kind of cool. It has a little switch here. I like it. They were talking about this kind of a lamp, this, this oil lamp, and this, a very simple one. You can imagine that those who had wealth had more ornate ones, but this simple one here uh, is it, just a piece of clay with a hole in it. They would pour oil, and then they would put a wick coming out of the little, um, little spout over here that you see on, on this side. And, and that wick might have been a little piece of cotton or a piece of flax or something, and, and they would light that, and the, the cotton would draw the oil and keep the flame going. And so Jesus said, people don't light a lamp. And what he was talking about, like sitting around in their houses. By the way, there was very, 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 very bad Wi-Fi in the ancient Near East. There, there, there was no electricity, for those of you just catching up. And so when you close the doors at night into the house, it was dark. Mom? Yes, I'm right here. I'm six inches from you. People don't light one of these lamps and then put a bowl under it. But we, we, we don't take anything and then go, yep, that's a nice lamp. How ridiculous is that? We are missing out on all the benefits. We are absolutely hiding what could be helpful. We don't put a cover over it. No, that's not what we do. We take the lamp and you put it up on a stand. And I, and I brought an image here. This is what an ancient lamp stand would have looked like. This idea of we're going to put this up on a table and elevate it a little bit so that it casts light as far as it can so that all the corners that are dark can see and all the people can benefit from it. That's exactly what Jesus says. People do not light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Your older translation, if you're reading from that, might say bushel. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Maybe you've heard that song. <laughs> Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So Jesus is on the hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And he's looking at you and he's looking at me and he's going, you are the light of the world. Don't cover up the light in your life. Don't hide it. Put it on a stand. And again, it's not us. It's Jesus. We're pointing to the source. We're shining to glorify the Father. That's what the shining is all about. But we don't cover it up. In the same way as the lamp, be bold and be public about your life with Jesus. Young and old, be bold. And be public about your life with Jesus to the glory of God. The reason most Christians don't shine is from a lot of self-imposed cover. It's not that the government's coming in in our world in Murfreesboro and saying, uh-uh, you guys can't shine. Sorry. Here's our government cover. It's not that a lot of people in your school students are saying, sorry, you can't be a Jesus person here. 
A lot of the reason we aren't shining is some self-imposed covers. Let's talk about those for a few minutes. We run you through three things that will wrap up our teaching on Matthew 5, 14 to 16. First of all, there is purpose and value to the light. There is purpose and value to the light. There's a reason Jesus wants us to have it uncovered. There's a reason it needs to be on display so that it can shine. There's a reason why it is beneficial. Letter A, because light reveals what is hidden. Light reveals what is hidden. And our world needs that. Our world needs the fact that the path to eternal life is often hidden under the noise of the culture. Our world needs to hear that the path to true happiness is often hidden under the call to materialism. Our world needs to hear that what we really need is to have our soul changed by God. Because that's often hidden by the cultural call to say, you need to find the right person and they'll make everything right in your life. But no one but Jesus is perfect. And every single flawed person is lacking the ability to change a life. So if you're waiting to meet Mr. Right or Miss Right, they can be an amazing partner to your world but they can never touch your soul. Light comes to reveal what is hidden. Letter B, light shows the way to proceed. Light shows the way to proceed. You get around young minds and light comes in and say, here's a different road to walk. Light with a flashlight going through the trails when you're out hiking or camping or even in the backyard or doing things, light helps you know where to walk and where not to walk. Light illuminates. I think of surgeons who are working in fragile environments with delicate parts of the body that God made trying to repair and restore and there's not a lot of margin for error. And so they have to have a whole lot of light to see how to proceed. Light helps people know how to go forward. And God has put you in the lives of people at your office, on your team, at your school, in your family, to help them know how to take their next step in life. God has put you in their world to have impact and influence, to be salty and to be bright, to help them to know the way forward. Some of them are coming out of abuse. Some of them are coming out of neglect. Some of them hear the word family and it turns their stomach. Some of them hear you refer to God as your father and it turns their stomach. Some of them are coming out of moments where they've been burnt by the church. Some of them are coming out of moments where they are just absolutely bitter and skeptical about everything. 
and light helps them know the way forward. Imagine being so surrounded by darkness that you just don't feel like you can take a step because you don't see where to step. Letter C, light gives comfort in the night. Light gives comfort in the night. We won't ask for a show of hands of how many of you need a nightlight at night. But light gives comfort in the night. When the person at your office, when the person at your school, when the person in your neighborhood is going through hell, the light represented in a person who knows Jesus can be an amazing amount of comfort. God's put you in that office. He's put you on that team. He's put you in that school. He's put you in that place to be light. For you to say, I'm sorry your world is falling apart, but the story's not over. And let me tell you what my God can do. And until he does what he's going to do, and I'm not promising you that everything's going to be perfect and you're always going to be healthy and you're going to be rich. Those are lies. It's not in the Bible. I'm not promising you how this is going to turn out, but here's the deal. I am promising you that I'm going to be right here with you. You don't have to go through this alone. And you may feel like it's getting really dark. Well, I'm going to shine just a little bit here with you. You have purpose where God's put you. You're the light of the world. Don't hide it. Step into it. Letter D. Light shines on what could harm us. Light shines on what could harm us. I've had moments when I was younger and it shaped me a little bit. Uh, I, I would go out to put the trash, uh, to get the trash cans to put them out at the street. And the trash cans were at the back of the garage in the backyard. I'd have to go, go through the yard, get the cans up to the front, then down, to, down the driveway to the street. That was my chore. But at that point, I was living in South Louisiana for a few years, and there were snakes all over the place. And snakes are the worst. Can I get an amen this morning? Uh, I don't do snakes. I don't, do, I don't even, like, if they've been run over, I'm, I'm just going to hit them again, okay? I'm, I'm going to make sure, because you just can't be too sure. I don't do snakes. But I had a moment where I went out and I had a flashlight to go get the trash cans, and I saw something wiggling in the grass, and it absolutely changed my night. It changed my night because it took me two or three times to go get the trash cans. It changed my night because I realized if I didn't have this flashlight, I might step on something that could really harm me. All of us who have kids could benefit from light so that we don't step on a Lego in the middle of the night when we get up. Light shines on what could harm us. And here's what I'm talking about. There are people in our lives who are embracing things that will harm us. And your job, this is very important, listen to this, this is a, this is a minefield that, uh, of danger. Listen, 
Your job, don't fall to the trap of thinking you need to judge them. Your job is not to judge them, but it is your role to lovingly warn them. That's, that's a Bible word called admonish, a loving warning. It's the idea that, that someone's going down a road about to cross over a river and the bridge has been washed out. And it is absolutely loving for you to wave your arms and say, turn back, turn back. If you keep going the way you're going, this is not going to end well. It would not be loving to know the bridge is out and just let them keep going. It is not your job to judge them. It is your opportunity to lovingly warn them. It's getting messy. But they may not know what that snake could do to them. And that might be a person in their lives. That might be a habit in their lives. That might be something they're ingesting. That might be a whole lot of different things. But light shines on what could harm us. A reference to minefield a moment ago because most of us have never been around um, situations where we had to think about minefields. Some in the room have. And you've served our country and we thank you for that. And um, I've traveled abroad where there were fences and you couldn't walk any further because it was an active minefield. And, um, it's a sobering thought that where you put your step could be your last. And you can't see what's under the surface. Somebody who doesn't know Jesus doesn't understand how important it is to be made aware of the things that could harm them. It's a responsibility to be light. It's a kindness to say, if you keep going the way you're going, this is not going to end well. Turn back. I'm asking you. I'm pleading with you to turn back. Light shines on what could harm us. Second thing today, there are some things that keep us from shining. I talked about the fact that most of us, we struggle with covers on our lights, but they're self-imposed. Let me give you a few things that keep us from shining. Letter A, the, the shade of hypocrisy. The shade of hypocrisy where you are living a life that does not at all look like a Jesus person. And so you are covering up the light of Jesus in your life. What is a hypocrite? What is hypocrisy? That's when you are living something different than what you claim to be true. You are living something different from what you claim as your commitment. You are living something contrary to your pledged commitment. I'm a Jesus person. I want to go where he's going. Whatever he's saying, I want to live that way. I want to follow him. Then to live contrary to that is hypocrisy and that becomes a cover. Let it be another way that we keep ourselves from shining. It's from a shade called secondary identities. How you think of and present yourself. 
how you think of and present yourself. And this is a little bit of nuance, but I want you to think about this. This is a big deal. There's a difference between saying, I am a Christian who happens to be an accountant versus I am an accountant who happens to be a Christian. Let the first thing of who you are drive and determine what you do. The first thing about you is not your title at work. The first thing about you is not your degree. The first thing about you are not your credentials. The first thing about you is, is that you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And you are His representative on the earth. Amen? You are an ambassador for Christ. You are salt. You are light. And the very first thing that is true about you is that you are a Jesus person. I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. However you want to articulate it. The first thing about me is I'm a Christian who happens to serve as a shepherd in the church. You're a Christian who happens to be a physician. You're a Christian who happens to be an educator. You're a Christian who happens to be a dad, who happens to be a mom, who happens to be an attorney. And fill in the blank for whatever those are. This will help you shine if you will begin to think of yourself as a Christian first and profession second. And understand that the way you experience and express your professional life comes out of your primary identity as a child of God. And it seems like a nuance, a small thing, but it makes a difference in how you shine. Oh, you should go talk to that attorney. They actually happen to be a Christian, so they, they might be a good one. There's a big difference. And someone saying, I'm a Christian and I happen to also practice law. And how I practice law is determined and defined by the fact that I'm a Christian. It's one of the ways that we shine. So don't hide it by putting your life in Christ as a secondary identity. Letter C, the last one here, things that keep us from shining, is the shade of shame. This is when you have gotten the cover and you have put it on yourself and you have said, listen, I don't deserve to shine. I've done too many bad things. <laughs> I, I have blown it. I have fumbled. I even did that one bad thing you're thinking of that nobody should ever do. I've done that thing. And I, I don't deserve to shine. Shame has lied to you and has convinced you that you do not have purpose as light in the world. But the reality is, none of us are calling people to put faith in us. We're calling them to put faith in Jesus. Amen? And the reality of shining is, if I unplug this lamp, there's no shining. So the lamp doesn't shine because the lamp is perfect. The lamp shines because the lamp has power. 
And if you believe in Jesus, it does not matter what you have done. All of your sins have been made clean and forgiven. Hello? All of them. And when God looks at you, he does not look at you with the label of your past. He looks at you with the righteousness of Jesus. You're the only one hung up with your past sins. For your God remembers them no more. And they weren't just blown off. Oh, just forget about it. They were absolutely paid for in a gruesome, brutal act of amazing sacrifice on the cross. Where God poured out on Jesus what he did not deserve. God poured out on Jesus the punishment for sin that we deserve. And Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for mine. And God raised him from the dead three days later. And Jesus is alive, victorious. The stain of the weight of sin is no longer on Jesus. And because of that, if you have believed in him, the stain and weight of sin is no longer on you. Guilt is no longer hanging over your head if you're a Christian. So come out of the shame of your past and live not in confidence in you, but confidence in the power you're plugged into. Hello? Jesus makes us new. He makes us clean. He sets us free. And that's what we shine. So if you've been feeling like you're unworthy, I can't shine. I've messed up too many times. It could be that you've forgotten what grace is all about and how complete grace is. <laughs> Don't cover it up. Let it shine. Thirdly and finally, I just want to point out to you, I want to help you a little bit and try to give you some details. Shining is mostly in the ordinary things of life. Shining is mostly in the ordinary things of life. I was working with college students at one time, and there was a, a, a trend where a certain group of people thought what they needed to do was shine, to shine was to go to the student union building at lunchtime and stand on the table and preach to people in the, in the cafeteria. Well, it didn't go well. When we're talking about putting your light on a stand and not hiding it or standing on a table, we're not talking about that. We're not, we're not talking about being, being loud. We're not talking about doing something uh, for shock value or, or drama. We're not talking about having a, a big moment where you hijack everything else that's going on. Most of our shining happens in the ordinary things of life. Letter A, like reacting to someone's good news. Reacting to someone's good news. Think for a moment. In your own head, how could you shine when someone shares good news with you? You could be genuinely happy for them. Because someone who doesn't know Jesus might go, I'm not really happy that they're happy. I want to be happy. Their thing that happened to them, that should have happened to me. Let's genuinely be happy for those who have good news. Let's help them frame it 
Boy, God is being good to you in your life right now. God is showing you such kindness right now. Letter B, responding to their bad news. How could you be light when someone has bad news in their world? How you respond is one of the ways you shine. This is an ordinary thing. Someone's telling you about their day. How could you respond? You could, you could say, well, I will be praying for that today. You don't need to gather people from around the office and say, let's join hands. We're going to have a moment of prayer together. And then you just go into a good 20-minute one right there with everyone holding hands. That's not what that moment probably called for. And depending on the person, it's probably, it may not even call for you saying, can I have your hands? Let's just pray right now. It may not, that may not fit. It might, but it probably won't. It just, how could you shine into their bad news? Shine Jesus into their bad news. He put you there for that. Don't just say, man, that's rough. And maybe we can find even more words than just, I'm so sorry. Maybe we can shine some Jesus words into that moment. Maybe that's a text later. Hey, I've been praying for you. You know what comforted me last year when something happened like that in my world? This verse from the Bible. I don't know if you read the Bible, but here's, here's this verse. Just show up and shine. Just show up and shine. Because again, we're shining His power because we don't have any. Let us see, ordinary thing of life is how you handle your good news and bad news. <laughs> People are watching you at your office, on your team, at your school. How you handle your good news and your bad news. People are watching to see if it really is about Jesus or if it's really all about you. People are watching. Oh, I don't want them to watch. Sorry, they're watching. I didn't check the box to be light of the world. Sorry, you're the light of the world. How you handle your good news and how you handle your bad news. Where there is good news, let there be reflected praise and gratitude to God. Where there is bad news, let there be faith in God. And lastly, letter D, ordinary thing, how you treat people. How you treat people. How you treat people speaks a lot. It's a shining moment. Everybody needs to hear this clearly. None of us are better than anybody else. None of us. There are no disposable people. There are no people who just exist to serve us when we snap a finger and have our expectations. These are people with a heart and with a story, every single one of them. And part of God's plan for leading them to Jesus is putting you in their life. So as you go to lunch today, someone greets you and someone 
serves you, this is a moment to shine. Because for that day, in that moment, they may not even know it, but Jesus is coming to their table. He sent you. Until you grieve that you are selfish and demanding and rude and impatient and intolerant and lacking grace, you reveal that you're more religious than in love with Jesus. Shine the light of Christ and treat all people. Well, yeah, but I'm the boss and they work for me. Fine, that's the role God has set up for their story. But how can you lead them to where they go, God is amazing. And this person loves me and cares about my story and my family. Be light in these ordinary places. As we wrap up this morning, I want you to be reminded one more time, we talked about this, the Sermon on the Mount is a stretching word, amen? It, is, it, is, it brings us over and over again, every single time, back to this thought of like, I, 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 I can't. I'm so weak, I'm so impatient. <laughs> I'm so, gosh Lord, I'm so inconsistent. I can't. But when you get to the place of saying, I can't, you're right where God wants you. Here we have this light bulb on the lamp. And be very clear. When Jesus looks at you and at me and he's saying, you're the light of the world, he's not asking you to be the power. He's just asking you to be the clear glass through which you can shine. Uncovered, stepping into it, stepping forward, not hiding, going public, quick to speak, shining the light of Christ in front of our team and coworkers and families and neighbors and friends so that they might see our good deeds are shining and glorified.